Hey guys, good morning, good morning. How we doing? Good. good. Man, y'all are ready. I can just tell. Y'all are pumped sitting on the edge of your seats. The sound guys are going to continue to turn up my volume until we... No, I'm just kidding. So excited to see you today. A couple things just to note. Man, I, Pastor Ivan, great job with announcements. We give him so many things to say. Uh, one clarification, if you want to be in a bridge group, those signups are live. There is a filter you can choose to, to pick a Mount Olive group. Now, you don't have to pick a Mount Olive group. You could be in a group that meets in Goldsboro or Princeton or wherever. Um, but if you want to be able to talk about what you heard on Sunday morning and see the people that you're in group with, uh, you, may, you are going to want to make sure to, to click that filter. And so that is an option. And then one other thing I want to tell you, coming up, we have baptisms. Water baptisms are going to be February 9th. And so if you have given your heart to Christ, if you are in a relationship with him, uh, he is your Savior, then for you, and if you've not been baptized, then for you, water baptism is the next step in your journey with Jesus. And so I want to uh, encourage you to do that. You can sign up on the app. Also, we're collecting uh, those Connect cards at the door. So if you want to just write baptism real big on the back of your Connect card and turn that in, uh, you can do that as well. But wanted to make you aware, a lot of things going on, and so I know that's a lot of information, but wanted to, to make sure you were availed of all that. So we're in the sermon series called Sound on uh, Unmuting God's Voice. The, the, the basic tenet of what we're talking about for the next few weeks is hearing from God. How do I hear from God? And I'll just tell you, so I, I've been a Christ follower. I've been a believer now for 20 years. Um, 20 years this year Absolutely amazing. And uh, during that time, I have been to Bible college. I've been in a lot of different types of worship services. I've been around a lot of different types of Christians and believers. And I know that when it comes to hearing from God, there are really two extremes. There are two extremes. So there's one extreme that, that they do all the talking. We talk to God. We talk to Him, pray to Him, go to Him, and, and they never really hear from God because in reality they just don't expect to. And, and so there's never this God downloading information to you because, again, you just don't expect to hear from God. And, and so that's one extreme. Well, then there's another extreme. And, and in this extreme, God talks to these people all the time. All the time. When God woke them up that morning, he told them he wanted them to go to food line. He told them where to park. I mean, if you'll just listen to them, God told them all kinds of stuff. And if they bump into you on aisle three, they got a word for your life from the Lord as well. And really, so, so those are the two extremes. But, but like most things, the truth is really found somewhere in the middle. Last week... Uh, we talked about five ways God speaks. That, that God does speak to us. He does want to communicate to us. And He does that in a variety of ways. And last week we talked about five distinct ways that God will speak to us. And we looked at that through Scripture. And then uh, today what I want to do is I want to talk about, okay, we know God speaks. That's amazing. But how do I hear from God? How can I hear the voice of God? How can I get direction 
from God. And so to learn that, to, to go further with that, what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time with the prophet Habakkuk. And, and when you say that, you've just kind of got to go for it. Habakkuk. I want you to look at your neighbor this morning and say, Habakkuk. All right, now look back at your neighbor and say, dude, you spit on me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Habakkuk, he's a prophet in the Old Testament, but there is a lot to be learned. Habakkuk has kind of a strange name. It's hard to spell. One B, three Ks, go figure that. Um, and, and really, if you're looking for Habakkuk's book in the Old Testament, you might have to flip through a couple times to find it because his, his book is very short. It's only three chapters. It's only three chapters long. But when you read his book, there is an incredible amount of wisdom as it relates to hearing from God. Because the book of Habakkuk, in those three chapters, it really reads more like a journal. It reads more like a journal. Habakkuk talks, and then God talks. And then Habakkuk speaks, and then God speaks. And then the book rounds out with Habakkuk uh, speaking one more time. And, and as we read this book, one of the things that will be uh, obvious to you as you read this book is that it is a series of laments. Habakkuk is brokenhearted about what's going on in Israel during that time. Habakkuk is absolutely brokenhearted. He says, God, people are neglecting the Torah. They're, they're not reading your word. God, you've spoken to us. You, you've got a word and, and people aren't reading it. And I look around and I see violence and I see injustice. And I look around and it's like the leaders don't even care. This violence is happening. It's like the leaders can't even be bothered. And if we look at Habakkuk quickly... It, it's easy to see, man, thousands of years later, humanity has not changed that much because here we are in 2020 and, and we're still neglecting God's word and there's still violence and injustice. There's still corrupt leaders. And, and we see those things in our society and we're moved by those things and it breaks our heart. And that's what Habakkuk was going through. And so he goes to God and he asks a series of questions. Questions like, God, why are you allowing evil to flourish? I mean, it seems like people who are wicked, people who don't have their heart set on you, it just seems like they're fine and the rest of us are suffering. God, what in the world are you doing? Go to the second and third verse of the first chapter and it says this, O oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear me? God, I don't know what else to do. I am crying out to you. I'm going in prayer and I am pleading. And it's like, it's like you don't care. It's like you're not even listening to me. Can I be honest with you this morning? Maybe that's where some of you are at. I know I've been there before. You pray, you plead, you're praying with fervency. You don't know what else to do. And it's like, God, I'm pouring all of this out. And it's like, you're not listening. It's like you don't hear. He goes on and he says, Or I cry to you violence and you will not save. God, bad things are happening and you're not doing anything. And, and it goes from a lament to an accusation. Look at this, verse 3. He says, why do you make me see iniquity? I'm seeing it all around me. And why do you look idly at wrong? 
So Habakkuk says, God, I know if I'm seeing it, that you're seeing it, and yet it seems like you're not doing anything about it. It's almost like Habakkuk has this picture of God is kind of clicked back in the lazy boy. It's Sunday afternoon, the ball game's on the TV, and he's kind of taking a snooze. God, you're, you're sitting by idly, and there's all these things, and I've cried out to you, and I've prayed. God, you're not doing anything. And here's what I appreciate so much about the Bible. The rest of that verse doesn't read, and God nuked Habakkuk. God just struck him with lightning. God killed him. How dare you make an accusation against a holy God? No, God doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, what we're getting ready to see is that as Habakkuk came honestly, that God came to Habakkuk. That, that as God came Excuse me, as Habakkuk came and he said, hey, here's how I'm feeling. I'll talk to hurting families all the time. Uh, families who are just going through trials and pains and sufferings. They'll say, Pastor, I feel like I can't pray to God. I feel like I can't even talk to Him. He, I'm just going through this stuff and I'm questioning God. And I want to remind them of Habakkuk. And I remind them of David in the book of Psalms. When you read Psalms, there are some Psalms where you're like, Oh, David, really? You probably shouldn't say that to God. He says, God, I'm speaking and you're not listening. And you told me you would be there for me. And now I have found you absent. David comes to God very honestly, very openly, with his frustrations, with his hurts, with his disappointments. And I want to tell you that if that's the way you're coming to God this morning, if that's the way that 2020 has started for you, and undoubtedly in a room this size, there are some of you, and that is exactly where you're at. I want you to know that God is not put off by that. It doesn't hurt His feelings. He says, come here. Just like we do when our, with our children, when they're mad or frustrated or upset. Come here, let's talk. God welcomes Habakkuk in. Let me read the rest of this verse. Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. Again, the book of Habakkuk, these are laments. Habakkuk's heart is broken because people aren't living for God. And they know the right thing to do, but they aren't doing it. And so Habakkuk feels very alone. Well, when you read this book, and I want to encourage you, I know I'm kind of summarizing today during this message. I want to encourage you, when you leave, go home and read this book. It's, again, it's three chapters. It's not going to take you long. But in the first chapter, Habakkuk asks a series of six questions. He asks six specific questions of God. And then in chapter 2, he positions himself to hear. All right, God, I've laid it out. Here are my questions. Now I want to hear what is it that you would say to me? Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm really oversimplifying a little bit. God does speak to Habakkuk quickly in chapter 1. But chapter 2 is where several verses, I think he start, God starts speaking in verse 2, and he finishes in like verse 20, 21, somewhere around there. So the, the long message from God is in chapter 2. So there's some questions, and then Habakkuk positions himself to hear. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at five steps Habakkuk took to hear from God. I believe that if we likewise take these same five steps, that we will hear God all these thousands 
of years later. Number one, number one, withdrawal. Habakkuk got alone in a quiet place. We're going to be centering uh, our time together today in the very first part of chapter 2. Verse 1, the first part of it says, I will take my stand at my watch post. I will take my stand at my watch post. Now, when you're thinking about that, I want you to get the mental picture. Think of like a prison. So there are these prison walls, and then on the different corners, there are these watch posts. There are these places that watchmen would go, and they would look out because they wanted to be able to know at the first sign of trouble. Well, of course, in prison, it's opposite. You're trying to keep people in. But at this particular place in the town, in towns in those days, you're trying to keep the enemy out. You know what you don't do in a, in a watch post? You don't have a party. You don't carry on conversations. If you're not watching, you're doing it wrong. If you're in the watch post and you're not being diligent, you're not watching, you're, you're messing up. And the fact is the enemy could sneak up on you and the, the watchman's in the watch post, but if he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, you're in trouble. And, and so he's in the watch post and he's gotten above, above all the distractions, above all the, the noise of life, and he's alone. He's in a, a quiet place. Here's the Wayne County version. Y'all ready? He went to his deer stand. <laughs> I hear you hunters, I don't know anything about that. I hear you hunters talk about... Pastor Andrew, I feel closest to the Lord when I'm in my deer stand. My wife don't even understand. I'm trying to tell her. But it's because we've got so much stuff going on in our life, so much noise, so much. Some of you husbands are elbowing your wives, right? See, baby, I got to go hunting, you know? <clears throat> it's because that's a place where we can withdraw. It, but it's not always easy to find a quiet place, is it? Come on, some of you parents, just look at me and shake your head. No, it's not always easy to find a quiet place. I heard the story of Miss Susanna Wesley. It made me laugh this week. Susanna Wesley, wonderful woman of God, mother of God, praying mama. One of her boys, Charles Wesley, went on to write hundreds of hymns. Hymns that are still sung in churches all over today. Uh, another one of her boys, John Wesley, a uh, phenomenal preacher, went on to found the Methodist movement, what later became known as the Methodist denomination. God used some of these boys in mighty ways. And so later in their life, uh, some of these boys, uh, or some, excuse me, some of the children started talking about their mom, and they said, our mom was a woman of prayer. Here's what I haven't told you yet about Miss Susanna Wesley. Susanna had 18 children. Let's just have prayer for her right now. Heavenly Father, I've got two and I can't find a quiet place. She had 18 children. How in the world was she a woman of prayer? How in the world did she withdraw? Here's what her kids said in an interview later. They said in the afternoons, <clears throat> Mama would sit down in her rocking chair and she would pull her apron up over her head. And us kids knew, Mama's praying, and you don't bother Mama while Mama's praying. 
Come on, I remember being a kid, and me and my sister, we were two years apart, and we would get to fussing and fighting. We would drive my mom crazy, and she would say, Hey, I need 30 minutes. Don't talk to me unless you're bleeding or something's on fire. So you'd go in after about 10 and be like, I think I'm about to make her bleed, Mama. No, I'm just kidding. Susanna Wesley, why do I tell you that story? Because where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. And, and to be honest with you, if we don't want to do something, we'll find excuses as to why we can't do it. Hey, listen, uh, some of you, you tell me about how busy you are. Pastor Andrew, I, I honestly do not have time. I believe you. I believe your day is packed. But in that case, you're going to have to get creative. You know what some of you might have to do? You might have to go on your lunch break, and, and people won't understand, not at first. But you might have to go out to your car, and for the first 15 minutes you eat your meal, and then for the next 15 minutes you pray and read your Bible. Maybe that's the only time you're going to have during your day. For some of you, you've got a little bit more flexibility than that. And, and here's what you need to do. You need to schedule a meeting with Jesus. Somebody asks you, hey, can I meet with you at 2? No, I've already got an appointment. They are going to walk by your office at 2 o'clock, and they're going to kind of look in the window. You're going to be in there talking to yourself. They'll find you after that. They'll say, man, what in the world? I thought you said you had a meeting at 2. I did with Jesus. If we want to find a way, we can, but are we willing to withdraw? Are we willing to get above the noise and the fray? I saw a study uh, came out, I think it was last month. I may be wrong about that. study came out, and it said that the average smartphone user touches their phone over 2,600 times a day. You don't realize it, but every time you're scrolling through email, that's a tap, that's a tap. And the most active smartphone users uh, will touch their phone over 5,000 times a day. We don't even realize how TV and these different things suck us in. And then it's the end of the day, and we're like, man, I don't have any time. I thought this was pretty neat. Tell you about one more scientific study, then I'm done with that. In 2017, a study was published. These scientists, they got together, and, and they did this study about alone time. Here's what they found. They found, they gave the, the participants varying levels of alone time to see what was optimal. How much alone time does each person need? Now, they weren't thinking, this was not a religious study, so they weren't thinking in terms of Jesus time or quiet time like we are. But this study was done. How much alone time is optimal? And here's what they found, that the average person would benefit from 20 to 30 minutes of alone time each day that that was the optimal amount of time and here's what they found that if you, if, if you could have 20 to 30 minutes of alone time a day it would increase creativity empathy health and energy we would be so much better off if we made time to withdraw and and of course the benefit of being with jesus goes way above and beyond the benefit of just being alone. The amazing thing about that is these scientists, they just discovered what Jesus told us when he was alive. 
that we need to learn to withdraw. Not only did Jesus tell us, but he modeled it for us. Luke 5.16 says, But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Jesus modeled that. If Jesus did it, do you think it might be important for us to do it? Do you think he could have been setting an example for us? So number one, withdraw. Number two, wait. Wait. Calm your thoughts and emotions. The next part of verse one reads like this. And station myself on the tower. And station myself on the tower. That means I'm going up to the watch post. And I'm going to be here for a while. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to keep moving around. In the military, it means take up position at a fixed location. Take up position at a fixed location. I am sad to tell you that I know what PCS means. When a military member has been PCS, that means permanent change of station. You're stationed at a certain base for a little while, and then... You're cycled out. And, and these military families, they come in. And for the past eight years, I've been on staff at the church, and I've seen it firsthand so many times. These military families come in, and they're all service above self, and we're going to find a way to be a blessing. And they do, and they are. And then it's like Uncle Sam hears about it, and they are gone. And it is so sad. Last month, uh, one of our military families got PCS. They'll be PCSing in August, Nate and Erica Johnson. So sad to see the Johnson family leave. But they are being reassigned. Station, that means stay there until you're told to move. You know, here's what a lot of us do. We go to God and we withdraw. And then we wait. We say, God, I'm so desperate to hear from you. All right, I got to go. Catch me if you can, God. I'm on. I, I got other places to be. I got other stuff to do. I'm out. Samuel Chadwick, well-known preacher, he said, hurry is the death of prayer. Hurry is the death of prayer. I wish you'd write that down. I wish you'd tweet that, Facebook it, live it. Hurry is the death of prayer. Here's, we have it on the screen. We can put it up there for you. There you go. Now you can take a picture of it. Here's what I'll add to it. Hurry is the death of prayer and hearing from God. Samuel Chadwick and Andrew Price. Make sure you put me in there. Whenever. <laughs> I'll tell you what happens to me. I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you this quickly. So whenever I go, and I'll, I'll withdraw, I'll get by myself, I'll, I'll go to a quiet place, I'm waiting, I'm praying, I'm, I'm with the Lord. And a lot of times, I, with kids and a job, and all, I don't get a lot of quiet time. And so whenever I, I, I sit down to do my Jesus time, I don't know if this happens to you, I start thinking about, oh, I was supposed to send that person an email, and I was supposed to get with them. Does that ever happen to y'all? Please somebody nod so I don't feel so crazy. All, this, all these thoughts start coming to my mind. And so here's what I've had to start doing. I used to try to suppress, come on, Andrew, this is Jesus' time. And if I try to suppress them in a few minutes, that's all I can think about. And so here's what I've done as of late. I will I'll write those things in my prayer journal off to the side. And then it's like, okay, I've captured them. They'll be there later. Now I can focus 
on God. And, and, and for some of you, maybe that's a helpful tip. Maybe that's something you can do because I know, again, whenever we get by ourselves and we get quiet, it's like our mind starts racing. All right, so withdraw, wait. Number three, watch. We watch. Let me read verse one to you. Uh, here are the parts we've already read. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower. And then here is the new part. He says, and look out to see what he will say to me. Habakkuk says, I'm going to look out to see what he will say to me. Now, that's strange. That's not how you're... I don't look to hear. I, I don't look to see what you'll say. I hear. If you're speaking to me, I'm trying to hear. I, I mean, again, I'm not, I know I'm not real smart, but I will look out to see what he will say. How, how in the world does that work? And so I thought, I bet the translator, I bet, I bet it was translated kind of weird. Let me go back. Well, in the original Hebrew, that word look is the word ra'al, R-A-W hyphen A-W. It means to gaze, to perceive, to look upon. It's translated exactly right. What is Habakkuk saying right here? I believe he's talking about a mental picture. A mental picture that God can show you. Uh, you've heard that expression, a picture is worth a thousand words. That expression that God can show you something. And when God talks to you, maybe you've had this experience, you can't even really adequately express to other people what God say to you. Man, I, I don't even really know how to tell you. God showed me something. That, and I know this is going to be the strangest one. If, if you're not a Christian or if you're a new Christian, you've never had this experience, I, I want to try to explain it the best way I can. There is a greater reality than what we can see with our physical eyes and what we can hear with our physical ears. You'll hear believers talk about God spoke to me in a still, small voice. You mean you heard him? No, I didn't hear him. He spoke to you, but you didn't hear him. Right. There, it, it sounds crazy. I know that. I know that. But it's because our physical hearing is not the only reality. Our physical vision, being able to see things with these eyes. It's not the be-all, end-all. Paul talks about it in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18, verse 18. He says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Paul is saying what I'm trying to say right here, only he's saying it way better. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. What does that mean? I don't have eyes on my heart. That God can show you things that you won't see with your physical eyes, but you'll see it with your heart. God will speak to you things that you won't hear with your natural ears, but you'll know it because He's spoken to your heart. I want to give you an example from my life. Five years ago, in January, five years ago, uh, God gave me a mental picture of this. Unmistakably, God called me to Mount Olive. Now that was not good because the next campus we were planning on planting as a church was going to be in Smithfield. And I was the children's pastor and good Lord, I was ready to not be the children's pastor. 
Just being honest with you. Just being honest. And I knew that God was calling me to Mount Olive. And so I went to my senior pastor, and I had no idea if, if that was a dream on his heart, if he even saw our church coming here. But God began to show me this. Now, it would have been amazing if I could have seen Ivan and Brenda and Kaya and, and, and Matt. and uh, Well, I did see Nicole. She was going to have to come with me. But Kat and... If I could have known Maggie and Tony are coming and they're going to drive a blue minivan, that would... If I could have had that level of detail, amazing. It doesn't work like that. God gave me enough of a picture to move out, to start out in a direction. God gave me enough of a picture, but I still had to have faith. Now, I'm not trying to celebrate me. Uh, my senior pastor saw this. Other people confirmed it. There was another guy on staff at that time, Jeremy White. He said, I don't know why, but God's been telling me the same thing. And so it was confirmed by multiple people but I'm telling you, I saw this. And so here we are five years later, and I'm like, God, how amazing is it? Because now I get to see it with my physical eyes. But five years ago, we were looking at it through the eyes of our heart. Here's my point for you. God will give you a mental picture. I don't know if that's the right word. God will give you a vision. He will give you a revelation through the eyes of your heart, He will whisper to you in that still, small voice. And you won't be able to necessarily hear it with your ears or see it with your eyes for years to come. But God wants something for your life. And if we'll tune in and listen, God will guide us and direct us and He will put us right where we need to be. Let me keep going. Withdrawal, wait, watch, and then number four, Right, right. Record the ideas you receive. So we're moving on now to verse 2. Here's what verse 2 said. And the Lord answered me. What's that next word? Right. And the Lord answered, or, and the Lord answered me. Right. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it? That's a little bit of a cultural thing. What would happen is when, when a, a messenger had good news, they would run with it. And they would run from area to area, people group to people group, town to town, and spread this good news. And so God says, I want you to write it big, make it plain, because when it's at the appointed time, I want the guy who's the messenger to be able to run who reads it. Here was what Habakkuk and the people were facing at that time. The Israelites, everything Habakkuk had said was absolutely true. They, weren't, they were neglecting God's word. They were rebelling against God. They were full of sin. And so God says, I'm going to allow the Babylonians to come in and they're going to subdue you. Because there has to be punishment for sin. I know we don't like to think about that. We like to think about a God who is just love and full of grace and mercy, and He absolutely is. But God also tells us that He is a just God. And when we sin, there is a penalty and a punishment for that sin. And these people had become hard-hearted. They had turned away from God. They had consistently gone their own way. And so now, God is going to allow the Babylonians to rise up 
And God, they are going to be the instrument of pain for God's chosen people, for these Israelites. But God speaks to Habakkuk, and he says, I want you to know that it won't be like that forever. The Israelites, there may be a downtime. There may be a time that's tough. But I want you to know it won't be like that forever. And I want you to write down this message because this message is going to be a message of hope. And when, when the Babylonians are oppressing you, I want the Israelites to be reminded that this is not the end of the story. And I know it's going to feel like it is a slow time in coming, but there will be a day when God delivers you from the hand of the Babylonians and when you live for me again. And so, so God reveals all these things to Habakkuk. He begins to speak to him. And, and again, the whole rest of chapter 2 is God downloading to Habakkuk the message that he wanted his people to know. And here's what you're wondering right now. Pastor Andrew, what in the world does that have to do with me? I'm not an Israelite. The Babylonians, I mean, last time I checked, they're not coming after us here in Mount Olive. What in the world does this have to do with me? Because the way Habakkuk positioned himself to hear from God is, the, is a model for us to be able to hear. Even in the part about writing. Now, I have talked to you on several occasions about a prayer journal. About a prayer journal. Guys, so important, so needed. It will revolutionize your prayer life. And I'm not even being big and dramatic, right? I'm telling you, I don't know a single person who keeps a prayer journal that doesn't feel like it's of immense benefit. Do you know what some of you guys are thinking right now? I ain't keeping a diary. <laughs> Dear diary, went to Pizza Village today. It was delicious. It's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Some of you, you won't remember much of this message, but you'll remember that dear diary part. <clears throat> Focus in. Prayer journal, people. Having a, a place in that prayer journal where you capture those things you're thankful for, those praise reports, those things God has done. Having a place in that prayer journal where you write prayer requests. God, here's what I'm believing you for. Here's what I'm asking you for. Here's where I need to see your hand. And then having another place in that prayer, so a three-subject notebook maybe, that, that might be the best thing for you. Then another part in that prayer journal where you can write down the things God's speaking to you through sermons, through your own Bible study. I want to encourage you, keep that prayer journal. It will bless you. And especially, especially as you begin to see those items that were prayer requests Move to the praise report section. As you can go back and look years later and say, well, God, you answered that prayer and that prayer. Why in the world couldn't I believe you for this other thing? And I know it seems impossible, but I've seen you move before. And so there's great benefit to writing those things down. Let me keep going. Number five. I almost didn't even include this one because this is, I, I believe, kind of a byproduct. Worship. Worship. Verse 2 of chapter 3, so God has given Habakkuk the message, and then I love verse 2, he says, O Lord, now I've heard your report, and I will worship you in awe. 
When we have heard from God, how could we not lift our hands in worship? How could we not raise our voices in worship? How can you not get excited? I'll tell you something. If the publisher's clearinghouse was to show up on your door, there would be a level of excitement. And yet God is telling you, I want to speak to you. The creator of the universe is ready and willing to speak to you. How could we not worship? But I really see this as if we'll do those first four, if we'll withdraw and wait and watch and write, then that the worship comes as a byproduct. But guys, the inverse of that is true as well. When we don't get by ourselves, when we're not taking our time alone with the Lord seriously, you'll get into environments like we were in this morning. Man, I'm telling you, when Katie said, saying those words, turn your eyes upon Jesus, I almost sang it. I'm not going to do that to y'all. When she sang that, I was like, this is just a little foretaste of heaven on earth. But you'll get to those worshipful moments, and you'll look around and people are, are worshiping. You know it's authentic for them. You know they're not faking it. And there's nothing inside of you. There's just... There, there's, no, there's no desire to worship. There's no urge or, or, or nudge to worship. There's, there's, that is a byproduct. Again, that's a byproduct when we hear from God, when we position ourselves. That's what this whole message has been. It's been about positioning ourselves. I'll tell you this story, then I'm done, I promise. Went fishing with a guy one time. Went bass fishing. I know very, very little about bass fishing. And this guy, we're going, and he is tearing them up. And I'm not catching anything. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Show me what you're... He said, well, you're, you're not fishing in the right place. The bass, they like to be over there. And he's explaining all of it to me. I can't tell you. He's explaining all of it to me. And I know he knows what he... He said, the bass like to be in these kind of areas. And so you, fit, you put your line where you know... The bass like to be and give yourself a much better shot. Let me give you an example I know more about sports. In football, low man wins. It's all about position. In basketball, you want to get between your man. When you're on defense, you want to get between your man and the basket. Don't make it easy for him to score. It's about position. So many of the sports practices are about, hey man, you're out of position. You got to remember the fundamentals. Remember, get your feet set. Remember... It's all about position. We can take on a spiritual posture, a spiritual position to be able to hear from God. So what Habakkuk did, so what Habakkuk did, and when we put these practices into place, I believe the same thing will happen for us. Amen? Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, Thank you so much, uh, God, that you speak to us in many different ways. Thank you, God, that you care about us, that, that you love us. Scripture, uh, scripture tells us that you know even the number of hairs upon our head, even, even small things in our lives, things that uh, affect us, things we're affected by. When Habakkuk came to you with frustration, you weren't put off by that. You welcomed that because he was coming to you 
in a genuine way. God, I believe that if we will position ourselves, if we will position our hearts so that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened, so that the ears of our heart can hear that still small voice, God, that you'll speak to us. Lord, I'm asking you to do that now. Here's the deal for so many of us. We've not had that experience. We don't know the right way to go. God, I pray in Jesus' name that as we take steps in this direction, as we begin to do things like Habakkuk did, God, that you'll just honor that. And and we may not be doing it exactly right, but I pray that you would see our heart and that you would respond to those things. And I pray that we would hear the voice of God, that that our spiritual heart might be enlightened, that the eyes of our heart so that we can obey, so that we can respond, so that we can walk in intimacy with you. I pray that for each and every person under the sound of my voice. Speak, Lord. We want to listen. I remember Samuel in the temple. You called out to him, and he he didn't know it was you. God, help us to know. Help us to hear your voice. And, And then I think about Eli instructed, he said, the next time God calls you, uh, Samuel, I want you to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. God, I pray that collectively over the bridge right now. Speak, Lord, we are listening. We long to hear from you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen.